What would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? If you had all the money, all the time, all the knowledge, all the resources that you needed? What would you do with your life if you simply knew that anything was possible for you? My name is Christina Carlson, founder of Global Swedish Design and stationery brand Kiki K, and author of the book Your Dream Life Starts Here. And I love exploring these sorts of questions to inspire people to dream. Before I started Kiki K, I had a dream that I could bring Swedish design to the world to create beautiful products that bring sparks of joy into the everyday lives of millions. Now that I have achieved that dream, I want to help you dream big. I want to create a global movement to inspire 101 million dreamers to transform their lives and transform the world in return. Each episode, I'll be talking to some of the world's most inspiring people, exploring the powerful impact that dreaming has had on their lives. We'll be diving deep into the power of dreaming with real insights and ideas that you can use immediately to build a dream life of your own, whatever that means for you. I am so excited to be joined by a great friend of mine this episode and a woman I truly admire, Emma Isaacs. As the global CEO of Business Chicks, Australia's largest and most influential networking community for women, Emma is driven by a passion to inspire women everywhere to be bold, courageous and take risks. A best-selling author of her incredibly inspiring book, Winging It, and a mother of five beautiful children, Emma is an amazing example of someone who seizes every opportunity and isn't afraid to jump out of her comfort zone. After dropping out of university at just 18 to follow her path, Emma became co-owner of a small recruitment company, beginning her career and sparking a true passion for business. At just 26, a friend invited her along to a Business Chicks event, and Emma was so impressed she bought the company, which at the time had just 250 members. Emma has since grown Business Chicks into a global business that now operates in two continents, 11 cities, and produces more than 100 events annually with speakers including Sir Richard Branson, Seth Godin, Dr. Brené Brown, Ariana Huffington, Diane von Furstenberg, Sir Bob Geldof, Jamie Oliver, and so many more. An absolute inspiration to us all, Emma is the first to admit that she is just winging it most of the time, but living her life the best way she can. In this amazing episode, you'll discover the importance of taking every opportunity, jumping out of your comfort zone and making small changes to lead you on the path to your dream life. The power of embracing kindness in your everyday, not just kindness to others, but kindness to yourself as well. That it's okay to ask for help on things that may be outside your strength or interests. That no matter how much things might change or how difficult things may seem, the important thing is to keep trying. How, by surrounding yourself with and connecting with inspiring people, you can move closer to achieving your dreams. And so much more. I'm so excited for you to hear this episode. So let's get right into it. So Emma, welcome to our Dream Life podcast. I am so excited to be speaking with you today, especially as I know you just come back from one of your incredible Business Chicks events on Richard Branson's Necker Island, and I cannot wait to hear all about that. 
as well as digging into your incredible story, your amazing book, Winging It, and the fantastic business chicks community you have built. But first, I'd like to start each episode by asking uh, my guests to think back to when they were children. So I'd love you to do that and think about what what were your dreams for the future when you were a child? (laughs) Oh, you're asking me to go into the archive. (laughs) I am. I turned 40. (laughs) It seems like so long ago. I just want to start by saying thank you so much for having me on. And it's such an honor and a gift to me to actually get some time with you. I know we've been friends for many, many, many years now. and We never seem to get real time together. So I love that you invented this excuse for us to have a conversation. (laughs) It's perfect. And I I was just saying before we started recording that I read in your book that you are an uber kind of friend where you catch up 10 minutes uh, on your way somewhere with a friend. And I'm very much like that too so I think yeah, next time I'm in LA let's do a little uber trip together <laughs> I love that that sounds no, great and thank you for coming on the podcast of course as well no no it's such it's such a privilege it really really is so I don't know young Emma I was the eldest of three kids I've got a gorgeous sister and a younger brother and you know I was what my mum would describe as completely bossy I was always up to something I was always curious I was never kind of settled or satisfied with the answer that people gave me. And I'm sure that kind of frustrated a lot of people, you know, I suppose particularly my parents trying to raise me because I would never just accept an answer and I would always have to have 10 questions about why that answer was given. So I probably was a challenging kind of kid. My dreams back then, I don't know if I was, you know, really explicit about what I wanted. I, I think I knew I always wanted to have a much, much bigger life. I dreamt about traveling and seeing bigger things than what I was shown perhaps when I was younger. I mean, that's not to say at all that I didn't have a beautiful childhood. I really did. But, you know, it was a very, you know, kind of suburban, middle class, you know, wonderful playing cricket in the street with neighbors and getting lost on bikes in the gardens of our friends and the the bush tracks around where I grew up. But I, I think I just dreamt of a much bigger life. And I was always looking outward as to how I could achieve that. So yeah, you know, I never had that dream of I I want to go to space or I want to be a teacher or I, you know, want to make a billion dollars. It was just I wanted a bigger life. And it's kind of funny now to see how that's manifested from, you know, such an early age and it's kind of what I try and be for myself and for my community and, and certainly for my family and, and friends as well. So, yeah, I think that's the sort of earliest dreaming that I can remember. Mm, that's so lovely and it, I can so relate to that because I grew up on a farm and my my child was also very lovely and I I dreamt about traveling the world and seeing the world outside our farm. And uh, last summer when we were in Sweden, my daughter, she just want to she just want to have a horse. She travels the world all the time and she just wants a horse. And when I had a horse, all I wanted was traveling. So I think it's exciting well, to <laughs> always, you know, looking at what is possible in life and what whatever that life is for each of us individually and all different of course um, and it's exciting so you had such an incredible career running your first company at at just 18 years of age which is very inspiring and after dropping out of university to follow your own path and I just love that can you give us a little bit of a background on how you were able to enter the business world so young and what led you to make that decision not to continue with your degree yeah I mean it's it's again funny when you have hindsight and look back in retrospect at why you make certain decisions. And to be honest, it wasn't, I mean, it was a very, very difficult decision to make. I had come from a very, very academic family and all of my cousins and 
brother and sister have degrees and, you know, my parents were certainly very disappointed with my decision not to finish uh, uni. But, you know, I just knew in my gut, I just knew that it wasn't going fast enough. I knew that I wasn't going to get where I wanted to be by kind of sitting there and really the catalyst for me, I was only in, I studied a business degree for about six months and the catalyst was, you know, I mean, I was like every other broke uni student, although I did have a casual job the whole way through, you know, school and and certainly the start of uni. But the catalyst for me was, you know, needing to cross the Harbour Bridge and needing the $2 toll to get from one side to the other and I, I just couldn't I didn't have the two dollars to to get across the bridge and I'm like this is just ridiculous how can this be you know how can I I mean I still was super young I was obviously only 18 at the time but I just thought this is not right I need to I need to sort this out and I don't want to be a struggling uni student for the next three or four years and I don't want to live within these constraints I don't want to have to you know, comply to rules. I just, it feels really, really wrong. And that's kind of what was the catalyst for me, at least dropping out of uni and saying, you know, I've got to put that to the side for the moment. And really how I got the start in the business world was just through, you know, sliding doors moments where you, you know, it wasn't like I sort of thought out the plan. I'm going to leave uni, I'm going to start a business. That was kind of the first thing from my mind. But I met another young girl, she was probably five or six years older than me at the time. And she had just started this little recruitment company and she said, I'm going to hire someone. So I went for an interview and and got the job. And that's kind of how I, I got the start. I mean, it was, again, another 10 other sliding doors moments of her business partner wanting to stop running the business with her and him saying to her, if you want to offer equity to anyone in this company, should you know, turn and talk to that young girl sitting there. So that's how we had a conversation and I ended up buying into the business. And really that was just through, you know, working for such a meagre salary, you know, really kind of baked beans and toast back then, which I did very, very happily. You know, I, I totally, I've always got throughout my career that sometimes you have to sacrifice in order to get ahead. And I'd never had a problem with that. I still don't have a problem with that. I see some entrepreneurs being, you know, leading from, um, I suppose, a place of ego. And and for me, it's never been about that. I'm willing to do any single job that comes up. And, you know, that was something my first business taught me. You know, you had to start somewhere. You had to put in the hard yards. You had to put in the hours. You had to, you know, do the jobs that we ask of everyone else in our businesses. So I I certainly learned that lesson very, very young. And really, that's how we got the start. You know, it was just the two of us. We, I, I wouldn't pay myself any commissions. That's how I bought in, you know, and I just... We just really started by focusing on one client and doing a really, really good job and then focusing on another. And, and I know it's, it can be really hard for anyone out there who's in a startup, you know, listening to people perhaps who have had as much experience. I mean, I'm in my, I think I've been in business now for about 22 years in my own companies at least. And I know that you can listen to people like Christina or perhaps like myself and you think, they make it sound so easy, but you know it really can be that easy. I think what people forget when they're in a startup, they get really caught up with the stuff that doesn't really make a difference. You know, yes, brand is important, and yes, you know, business cards are sometimes necessary, but you've got to focus on revenue and making money and getting yourself set up financially so that the growth can come, and then you can kind of focus on the nice stuff like brand and perhaps a peripheral activity, but. That's how I started. You know, I just started focusing on on the clients and the people that we were dealing with, and that's really you know how it came to to grow over time. I was in that business for seven years before deciding to exit, which was a really really hard and yucky time for me. That was my entire identity. I 
thought I was that business. I had pretty much no life outside of that business. I was completely given to my people and I remember walking into the boardroom that day and telling them that I was going to leave and people just I mean it's kind of like if I said now I'm going to leave business sticks it's like but you're one in the same M like it's all intertwined and and you just can't do that so I I really felt proud of myself as difficult and challenging as those days were but I feel proud of myself that I had the courage to make the decision Mm. to leave and you know, we got through it and that's when the opportunity to buy business chicks kind of presented itself and I've been at that now for about 14 yeah, years Yeah, tell so. us about that. I, I love to hear that story. It's, um, I mean, that's how we met and I love to hear how you got into that. Yeah, it's, it's so cool. You know, I actually, I haven't done this exercise, but I think if I were to sit down and write, you know, all, I don't know, top 200, top 100 people in my life who have influenced and impacted me the most, I am totally making this up, but I would hazard a guess that 95% of them I've met through Business Chicks. So that's been just such a beautiful you know, chapter in my life, if you like, and I hope it's one that I can sustain for many, many years to come. But, you know, I was introduced to Business Chicks like I suppose you were, like most people are. A friend said you should go to this thing and I I remember at first thinking, I'm not going to that. Like I'm I'm such a feminist. That's a terrible name. I I'm not going to be associated with anything that calls themselves chicks. Like that's so derogatory to women. And I you know I believe in women. I'm a feminist. And my friend was just like, you you actually need to get over yourself, and you need to go along and experience this thing, and you need to you know get past that and and just go and check it out. And and I'm really happy that I trusted her. I went into that event that first day, and I the minute I walked in those doors, I was like, this is it. This is my people. This is kind of like the sisterhood that I haven't seen before. And this is going back, like I said, 14 years ago now when there weren't really any women's organisations. You know, there was the beautiful Susie Daphnis had the Australian Business Women's Network and then there was kind of business chicks. So it was, you know, we like to think that we were serving women before it was even in vogue. It was it was not cool to do that back then. You know, we were seriously just about how do we serve women and what can we you know how can we add value to them so anyway I I walked into my first event loved it I'm still really good mates with seven of the other nine women I met on the table that day I went by myself I was sat in the absolute worst possible table in the room I couldn't have cared less I remember going there expecting to hear from a you know super successful entrepreneur and I heard from this comedian who proceeded to take off all her clothes and play the guitar and we were just like what what is going on what is this thing this is meant to be a business function and and what it kind of taught me was you know you I mean it had everyone let down their guard and and I suppose take off the armor and be themselves and we laugh together and and that's something that I've always taken with me in terms of you know, this kind of culture by design that we have at Business Chicks and it is to make people feel like they belong, it is to make people feel like they're special, it is to make people feel like they have a purpose greater than themselves, it is to make people feel like they can have a sense of fun and be professional and be successful all at once, you know, but we really just really try and design that space where people feel held and people feel safe and that's definitely what I felt the very first time that I experienced business chicks and yeah so I went to that first event it was like I went back to my office I was I couldn't stop talking about it I was just I was on the website straight away when's the next event let's go three tables for that event I said to every single person in the business that's every person here become a member we have to get behind this thing this is really important work and I just I caught the bug you know I just really I don't know got religion on what what belonging was and what it felt like to be in a community and community was something that I had as a child and I think I 
was really lacking it. You know, certainly when I first started out in business, I found it through a couple of different networks, but I really felt a sense of like-mindedness with business chicks. And so at the next event, I heard the business was for sale and I, yeah, I mean, I just ran up to the lady at the end. I didn't think about it too much. I just said to her, I want to help and can we talk please? And I just suppose I bowled her over with my enthusiasm. I just, yes. again, like like the little young Emma, I just wouldn't take no for an answer. And I just kept on saying, can we have a meeting? Can we have a meeting? When can we talk? And, you know, one thing led to another. There were a lot of different companies that wanted to buy the Business Chicks organization back then because it was a, um, even though it was a quite small database, you could tell that the women who went along to these events were really high quality. You could tell that they, you know, they represent a lot of Australia's top companies and there was a huge kind of, you know, depth to the sort of person who was involved. So they could see that and I could see that. And uh, lucky for me, they chose me to buy it. So I think I was like 20, 24, 25 at the time. And yeah, that's how I got my, mm, my start. Such there. a beautiful story. And I feel like you and Business Chick are kind of one and uh, really reflecting your values into the business. And I, I love it. I'm very grateful that you bought it and also very grateful to be one of your members. So you are a mother of five children, a global CEO, a mentor to many and seemingly superwoman to all of us. I know that you don't like that word, but for us from the outside, you look like a real superwoman. But one of the things I love about you is this huge message in your amazing book, Winging It, is that you're living your life as best as you can and not necessarily in the ways people expect you to. And I think that's really comforting to us mothers to know that you are just winging it at at home most of the time as well. I know many of us feel that way most of the time. We are all winging it at home, but you are also doing that at work. But even if you're not always 100% on top of everything in terms of home and family, I love that you say that you are always there for the stuff that matters. This is something that really resonated with me, but can you explain for our listeners what you mean by this? Having the five kids is a really big undertaking, obviously. I mean, two kids, three kids, whatever, it doesn't matter about the number, but the number does, I think it does. lean into <laughs> it. Kind of, I mean, it is. It's a pure chaos all the time. And, and for me, that's just been, and continues to be every single day, just a mirror in which to look and say, okay, you know, what needs to change? How can I do better? What's working? What's not working? You know, where am I falling down? But I I think, you know, if you want to wrap it up into one kind of concept, I think if I were to distill it down to one word or one kind of philosophy, I think it comes down to kindness. And what I mean by that is probably the highest level of that is being kind to yourself. So it is that what you mentioned then that, that, and thinking to be kind to yourself and saying, I'm doing my best in the moment. I'm doing the best I can right now. I'm so far from whatever this concept of perfect is, but I am doing my best. And, you know, it, it just comes back, it's kind of a full circle to being kind to yourself. But it's also about being kind um, to your kids and it's about being kind to others. So, you know, when we talk about how is it possible to have the five kids and do the traveling and, and the business stuff, which obviously consumes me for so much of my time, really to get practical, I, I have amazing people around me that make that possible. And I really want to try and be a role model for not hiding behind the fact that I have a lot of help and I ask for a lot of help and I'm not ashamed to ask for help. You know, I have gotten myself into a situation where I prioritize that help because I know, you know, my mental health is better for it. I know that I can be with my children more. I know that I can prioritize 
you know, what you said, the stuff that matters. And it hasn't always been easy to be able to ask for as much help as I need. I mean, we, I think we all as women particularly go through huge journeys with asking for help. I'm not just talking about, you know, hiring people and nannies and that sort of stuff. I'm talking about, you know, we struggle to ask for help with the people who work with us, whether it's in your business or if you're working with someone else. I think we struggle to ask for the right amount of help from our partners. I think we can even struggle to ask for the help we need from, you know, anyone else who's in our children's lives, be that our, our parents, you know, their grandparents. So I think for me that's been a real learning of kind of stepping up and asking for the help I need, not being ashamed to ask for help, you know, with the people that we have working around us with the kids in, in the household that do the stuff that I don't want to do and, frankly, I'm really, really, really bad at doing. You know, certainly it's been a challenge to be able to, figure out how to make enough money to be able to have enough support. I think, you know, I don't want to gloss over that and it's something that I don't take um, for granted at all. And it's certainly one of the reasons that we live in America because, you know, we have access to people who are willing to do that work and and do it really, really beautifully. But, yeah, I mean, I think the, the key learning there is just the ability to ask for help. I think it's about outsourcing every conceivable thing that you can think of. You know, right now, to give you a you know kind of real life example, just before I came on this podcast with you, I was talking to one of our beautiful nannies. I was like, you need to be wrapping the presents. You've got 15 minutes before the kids get home. You need to have them wrapped <laughs> in the basement. And you know, I, I don't do that stuff. You know, I, I don't do the shopping. I don't do the laundry. I just anything that can help me set up my life so that I can be either working or with my children. I don't mind if that costs me a hell of a lot of money. It's where I, it's my priorities are there. I want to be able to spend time with my kids and and be there for the stuff that matters. And I want to be able to be working my business as well and being there for my people in my business, because frankly, you know, they are my other family and my job is to serve them and be available to them. And yeah, I mean, look, I'm, I'm probably sounding like I've got it all together and I absolutely do not. There are many, 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 many times throughout the day where it all falls apart or, you know, I forget to communicate something or like just the sheer logistics of getting five young children. Like my kids range, my big girl is nine, then seven, then five, three and one. Honestly, it's quite a comedy at times what goes on. So, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely don't have it all together, but I just try and be kind mm. to myself and t- and kind to others and, and mostly it, it works, <laughs> mostly. So inspirational. I, I definitely, you are so kind and so calm as well. Um, you know, when I jumped on the call this morning with you, I love hearing your calm voice. I often think about you when I'm struggling with just having two children. I'm thinking this is easy compared to you. So it's always good. <laughs> Everything's relative. <laughs> you know, it's funny at the moment. I've, I've got two of my, my two eldest girls are in Australia with the grandparents right now. And so we just have the three and here in LA and it's just, I, I keep, having to stop myself because I keep having to say, oh my gosh, three kids is so easy. It's, it's practically enjoyable. <laughs> like we're, we're loving this and I have to keep my mouth shut because it's all relative, right? Like for, for you, all you know is two kids. So of course it's hard and of course it's challenging, but you know, your capacity does grow somehow. I don't know how, but you know, I always, you know, I never knew I was capable of having three kids and then I had three kids and I was capable of having four kids, you know, and, then, and it's like with business, right? Like you never, when you start out, you're like, I've never run a million dollar business. And then somehow you work that out and you're like, I've never run a $10 million business. And somehow you work that out, you know, and it's all, this is kind of, this gets back to this notion of winging it. It's not about, oh, screw it. Let's have no plan and, and give it a go. It's really just about having the courage to 
stand in the discomfort and stand in the not knowing and saying, you know what, like we will figure it out together. We will get the right people around us. And it's just coming back to that thing of being calm and, and just making a plan. And that to me has been, I don't know, something that I've, I've carried from my first business and certainly something that, that still holds true today. I, I love that. And I'm a huge believer in jumping out of your comfort zone. And I, I know that this is a huge theme of your book as well. I came across something you said recently when, I, when speaking about business chicks, which I absolutely loved. And that was, in your words, when we force ourselves to sit next to a stranger at dinner or move outside what's worked in the past, that's when the magic happens. I love this. But how important is this to you, pushing yourself out of your comfort zone? And what advice do you have for someone who may be a bit fearful of taking this leap in their own lives? I mean, I can only speak from, from my experience and this is certainly how I've been able to learn and grow and morph and change, you know, if that's what you're looking for. And I think it's about starting small and I think it's about practice. So, you know, I'm not saying people should just go and jump out of a plane and, you know, get out of their comfort zone if, if that doesn't feel right. But it, it may be, like you said, it might be as simple as, you know, going to dinner with someone that you're uncomfortable with or you wouldn't normally do that with or, you know, starting a conversation on the bus with someone or talking to that person in the lift or it might be a physical kind of challenge like trying to do a 5K run or whatever it is. And for me, it's just been small steps and practice and I find that the more you do it and the more frequently you do it, the braver you become and the less hard the insurmountable seems. And uh, yeah, I just think it's it's trying to build that habit of doing things differently. It's trying to build that habit of kind of circuit breaking routine, if that makes sense. So, you know, it might be going somewhere different to get your coffee and, and just starting that conversation. And, and it's going to mean something so different for every single person. You know, I mean, I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to build a habit of getting back to journaling every single day. And that's something that I know you've always spoken about and you've inspired me with. But, you know, I haven't done that for 10 years, so it's going to take me some time and I'm a little bit out of my comfort zone because everything inside of me is saying, you know, I have time for this and, you know, you should be reading stories to the kids or you should be checking your inbox. But I just, you know, it's it's about making a decision and applying yourself to that. I think, I think it can be that easy. And I will say that from my experience, the more you try and put yourself in discomfort and outside of your comfort zone, the easier it, it, it gets. And before you know it, like you honestly can take on things that, like if I think about some of the things that I have attempted, if you'd asked me 20 years ago, would I ever be able to do that? I'd be like, there's no <laughs> freaking way. Like I'm, that's just like, there's no, there's no way. But it, it is the small things that, that add up. And, you know, courage is actually found in the action, right? It's not found in the talking, it's found in the doing. So I just figure that, you know, try and put yourself in those situations which feel icky, you know, I mean, I mean, you, we started out this conversation talking about these leadership gatherings that we run on Necker Island and I know you, mm. you actually came to our very first talk about that. Yeah, which was I think four or five years ago now. But, you know, even when you get into a setting like that and you're, I know we don't get in settings like that all, all the time. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> yeah, I, I wish too. But, okay, but, you know, you're on an island, you're with 25 people, you might know three or four of them really well and the rest are all strangers. And, of course, you're going to gravitate toward the ones who make you feel comfortable and where you feel safe. And, you know, it's really about 
China next to the person at dinner who is so unlike you, that is where the fun stuff happens. You know, it's like, and I, I try and think about that in my business as well. You know, I know we gravitate towards people we like and who are like us, but the people who challenge you the most, people who trigger you, the people who push your buttons, they can actually be, you know, the source of the most growth, even though it's so painful at times and you think, I just don't want to have to deal with you. But, you know, that that's certainly been something that I've really tried to test myself with, you know, going to a conference and if I go with a girlfriend, I'll separate with that person, say, meet you back here at 4pm and go our separate ways and go meet new people. And I don't know, I just think it's a really beautiful description for life. I think it really opens you up to new opportunities, to diversity in thought. Yeah, I, I don't know. I've just always tried to do that. And it's, yeah. Yeah, it's such a great one. And I love that. I mean, obviously, I connected with Dr. Libby Weaver, who has been on our podcast, and Margie Worrell, who is coming on our podcast, hopefully. We ended up doing a collaboration with her books. I mean, it was really funny because I was speaking to Margie, and we were just designing a, a range about being brave. And she told me she'd written a book about being brave. And it was kind of a little bit late to start doing a book into that range because we often work well in advance but I was like let's do it and it's been amazing and it really is incredible when you actually meet people that you haven't met before and you really are getting a little bit out of that comfort zone so for example if someone comes to your business chicks event and they are a bit introverted but how do you how do you help them so I think some of us you know you and me are quite used to being out of our comfort zone now because we've been doing it for so long but for someone who is just really just joining business chicks and are a little bit hesitant what advice would you give to them to get them over that line you know in Australia we run about a hundred and something live events every year and they range from you know the really small kind of networking events where you might have I don't know 70 or 80 people right through to our summits and expo products which can have 10,000 people through the doors over a couple of days and then we do a lot of lunches and breakfasts and educational and we, we just produce a knowledge and study tour which is fantastic so we do a whole heap of different events and and I'm just struggling to kind of put someone in that scenario. But I think what you've got to do is, you know, get really good. And we're probably talking about practical networking here. It's, it's getting really good at just introducing yourself. And we often say at Business Chicks, it's just, I think it's five, five little words. Hi, my name is Christina, you know, and just practice that. Hi, my name is Christina. Hi, my name is Christina. And you, I, I'm sure if you did that with a hundred people, you wouldn't find that one of them didn't shake your hand back and say, oh, hey, Christina, nice to meet you. I'm Emma. So it's really just about finding those words to introduce yourself to people and then just start a conversation. I think that we, I mean, at Business Chicks, we do try and create a culture where people feel welcome, but that's not to say that it can't be completely intimidating to walk into a really huge room of people. We, we often say, if you're going to come by yourself, uh, let our team know so that we can you know, place you with someone who you know might be able to take you under their wing, so to speak. Um, but, but really, I mean, it's again... Networking is all about the things we talked about before. It's about being out of your comfort zone. It's about meeting new people. I mean, I'm I'm a big time introvert as well, which is kind of weird. I yeah, it's not lost on me the irony of that that I run this biggest network for women, but I'm a complete introvert. And you know, all that means is just you energize by being alone. And that's certainly you know, I can I can do our events, but I need to retreat for for just like a little cup of tea or a mm, <laughs> exactly. I'm exactly the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So I just think it's about practicing and putting yourself out there and, and just learning what works for you. Like I said, those, those five little words can often be just a really great way to break into a conversation. And again, no one's mm. going to reject you or turn you down. Great tip. Thank you. So in my recent book, I talk a lot about the question of who, as in who can help me and who can I learn from? Are there any key people who have helped you along your journey? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a a ton. And I've been lucky in that just through the pure virtue of what we do at Business Chicks is presenting pretty amazing world Mm. leaders and educators and speakers so just by virtue of kind of being in that space I've got to travel with these people I've got to have dinner with them I've got to you know see what they're like both on and off stage and and believe me they can often be two very 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 different different (laughs) things Uh, yeah um, which is which is fun it's it's really fun to see how that all plays out and and for me personally as a leader I've I've learned a lot from that you learn a ton from people and their content and who they're being on stage, but I am in the really fortunate position of seeing who people are and and what their leadership is when they're off stage and how they treat people and mm. what they demand. I mean, yeah, there's, there's been hundreds and it's not always the super, super famous people that, that stand out. I mean, obviously the completely obvious one, and because we're talking about NECA right now and I've totally got recency bias from this, but, you know, I've, I've known Richard Branson for probably close to a decade now he spoke for business chicks a bunch of times in Australia and that's how I got to know him and then you know we've had a a lovely friendship over that time which has been pretty incredible to experience and I learned from him I do learn a lot from him in terms of being a business person but I also see how he is with his Mm. family so I definitely try and emulate him and Joan's parenting values and just who they are as family people I mean I don't know if this is a secret or not but I he recently invited me to go um, he got a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame and that was a really mm, I saw that yeah beautiful time but it was all lovely and it was we had a big party afterwards and it was you know the media and all that stuff which I couldn't care less about but that was all great but before he got up and gave his speech, I was actually there next to him just behind the lectern and I saw that someone had like sticky taped a picture of his father to the lectern so that when he went up there, you know, he'd see his dad, his dad passed probably going on, I don't know, 10 years ago now. And I just thought, that's awesome. I mean, you know, here's a guy who's one of our most revered entrepreneurs celebrating an achievement, which a lot of people would think was pretty cool, but someone has thought that what would matter to him most is to have a picture of his dad and how proud his dad would have been you know, to have been there that day. And I just thought that that's cool. You know, like I actually don't give a shit about all the gloss and the celebrity and I, I couldn't care less because all that fades and actually doesn't mean anything. I mean, anyone can craft a brand and craft a personal brand and tell a story and, and you know, with the world that we live in in social media, many people do it very, very well, not with truth or not with authenticity, but they can get famous quickly for whatever they they do and that stuff just doesn't, excite me in the slightest but um to see who someone is actually as a person is yeah that I don't know that stuff really inspires me so I think that's probably the example that comes to mind the most but there's been there's been hundreds honestly people you know we toured with Julia Gillard when she released her memoirs and she was she was actually super fun and funny Mm. and we just had a hoot with her she was she was brilliant obviously a very very bright woman but you know behind the scenes we just like you know 
I sort of was left with a feeling of I wish Australia had experienced what we got to see because, you know, we might have had a very, very different outcome. You know, people like Ariana Huffington and Agapi, who I know you know very well, they're, they're always fun and I always learn something from being with them. They're probably the two most direct women I've ever I love them. I love them. I love them. I mean, I, they scare me. I mean, I'm, I'm very, I'm very, I came very close to both of them, but they scare me every single time I see them. They're just so direct and they leave no prisoners. And I love that. And I learn from that. And I think we as Australians need to learn more about that style. But yeah, I mean, there are hundreds and hundreds of possibly thousands of pretty amazing women and men that I've, I've got to hang out with and, and meet. And learn from. <laughs> mm, absolutely. Who would you say if we we turn the tables on you? Who comes to mind for you? Well, you know, actually, funny you saying that because the three um, you mentioned, obviously Richard Branson, super inspiring for what he has done and what he's doing uh, to the world. And also, I love that he's so much into my favorite subject, which is really create your dream life and he often has quotes about dreams and he also wrote a little thing in my book and because he's so connected with his dreams and um, inspiring other people so he's absolutely up there for me but also Rihanna and Agapi I, I never forget when I actually met Agapi because we were connected through Ariana only online and then I went to an event and she was there and she is just an incredible woman and every time I'm in New York now I connect with her and I always have the best night and we have so many laughs and I love I love that you can be you know inspired but also also you know life is short so having fun is obviously very important but there are so many many uh, people and you are absolutely up there as well because I think you are a real example on what is possible to create your dream life and and I when I say dream life I always never want to be it's never a perfect life and uh, and I think uh, hearing your story and for people to read your book it's not about having it it's about winging it to to what Whatever degree that is, I'm a bit, you know, I'm, I when I saw your title, I, I thought I'm going to learn so much about this. It's probably what I need because I'm more <laughs> of a, I like planning and I'm a bit of a control freak. So it's good to get out of my comfort zone. But, you know, saying that when you have a small business, you have to wing it every single day. So um, you are definitely a great inspiration. And I always look at you, obviously I know you, so I know a bit more than most people from the outside, but I think it's so inspirational to see you starting from scratch and, you know, having five children. And, and then moving as well, because I think Richard, if, I, if I'm not wrong, inspired you to do that, yeah, to, live, to move to another country. If you wanted to be successful, you needed to move. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely. Yeah. I think what Richard brings, you know, is a true sense of the world, of, of having this purely global outlook. And I mean, now it's kind of greater than that. He's, you know, with his, what he's taking on with commercialising space travel is just you know, it just continues to lift your thinking every single time. But yeah, he, he said one time, you know, I don't even know what the context of the conversation was, but it was basically something like, um, oh, you do business in Australia. Oh gosh, is it even possible to make money in Australia? You know, meaning, you know, he had business interests there. He never really made any money. And, you know, for him, the action was always in the, the UK and um, the US and other regions and and that like the light bulb just kind of switched on for me and I thought wow you know like I if I want to be who I say I want to be and that's about looking looking outward while remaining inward you know I've got to kind of learn about a bigger market I've got to take bigger risks I've got to figure out how I can still retain my business in Australia but 
not have me be operational in it. And yeah, so he was the real, yeah, flip the switch kind of person for me when it, when it came to making the decision to move to the US. We moved to LA three years ago now. And look, it's been everything and more, way more than I would have expected. The first probably two years was a complete write-off. I spent most of it you know, being a bundle of nerves and failing spectacularly and you know, being worried and, and stressed the whole time as I tried to get the business off the ground in the US and, and failed spectacularly at it. But, you know, I, I feel like we're coming up to the three-year anniversary and I'm just so grateful for the experience. You know, and I, I feel a bit embarrassed to say this, but I never had really failed like we've all failed, we all fail every single day, right? But, you know, not spectacularly as, you know, we probably invested around $2 million, which we might as well have taken into the backyard and, and just burnt it over a fire with some marshmallows for the kids, you know, it just dissipated in front of our very eyes. And I know for a lot of your listeners that that may be a fortune of money and for some it may not be of much consequence, but it was just a very, very, very stressful time trying to work out you know I have had the sort of duality of trying to keep the culture of the Australian business running while integrating a new CEO who I put into the seat and whilst she is and has been a very 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 dear close friend of mine for many many years now we both struggle with how much I should be in the business and how much I should be out and so I was trying to do that whilst trying to get the business started up in the states while you know I had a pretty much a newborn baby at the time and you know the kids were going crazy trying to work out where they fitted in and and my gorgeous husband has has always been a sort of on and off entrepreneur and always dabbled in certain things but has never kind of had like most entrepreneurs a really steady income so it was always I've always been the, the breadwinner and it's always you know mainly fallen to me so I had all these pressures focused on me but you know what I have really learned from the experience and what it's really taught me is that success is is never final you know it's never final and and also failure is not fatal it does not need to mm. kill you you know I, I think it's the courage to keep showing up that counts the most and I think you'd find that goes through almost any business no matter what what size it is it's really how much can we just continue to show up and continue to keep trying and you know, I've, I've honestly learned so much and I'm so grateful for those experiences and I feel a much better and more equipped entrepreneur now from that. And I also think being here and being away from your business, I mean, I, I often say, you know, I'm not, I don't often say I've only just really realized this, but it just, I often think it because it's been such a huge realization for me. I have gotten myself into a situation where I realized my original goal of making myself redundant from my business, which I think for a lot of entrepreneurs is a, a really huge achievement, you know, so I'm really proud of myself for ticking off that original goal and keeping the business very, very healthy, keeping our culture really beautiful and healthy, you know, keeping the profitability where it was. If not, it's, it's certainly grown since I left. So I've, I've realized the entrepreneur's dream of making myself redundant for my business but still having a business that delivers me, you know, an income, which is fantastic. So I have this freedom for which I can create now and I'm going to turn 40 next year and I have this sense of real, like you, you call me a calm person. Like I, it's like next level calmness. I'm just so <laughs> calm about, you know, what, what is coming up. You know, and I think if I had not had this US experience and if I had been approaching my 40th, I think I might've been filled with a lot more angst and have I done enough and what have I achieved? And, and, you know, is it going fast enough? Or is it going slow enough? I, I just am not about that at all. You know, really for me, my dream life is being able to have, the space in which to create and for me 
that's always been about creating experiences for others. That's 100% what lights me up. You know, if I could be doing that 100% of my time, that would totally be my dream life and kind of living it, you know, this is, this is kind of it. And I say it to my husband all the time, like it's not going to get much better in five years time when we have a bit more money you know like this is it like this mm. <laughs> this, is, this is how good it gets and it is so bloody good and we can wake up every day thinking oh my goodness we are living this life and we should be so grateful for that and we should be in it and not projecting forward and and worrying and stressing and really that's kind of what the wing thing is about as well it's about being here and not projecting too far into the future and worrying and worrying what others are doing and it's, it's really just it comes back to that, you know, being kind to yourself and also, yeah, having the courage to try new stuff and having the courage to be okay with where you're currently at because that takes a lot of guts, I reckon. Absolutely. And I also think there's a really important message in here that even, you know, you look at your business and you, you think everything is perfect and successful and you made it, but there's no such a thing in today's world, I think, where you made it and it's never going to be challenging. I think there's challenges, you know, if you grow a business, there's challenges every single day, regardless if you're small or big. And I think failure is very much part of it. And I think every learning that we made, even if you think that the marshmallows would have been better. I think the learning that you have got is incredible and, and that's how you can cope with perhaps even more challenges in the future and you never know what's around the corner. So it's always good to be equipped with some failures and some um, learnings for sure. So a big crazy dream of mine is to inspire 101 million people around the world to write down three carefully considered dreams on paper and start chasing them. And I did that because it struck me a few years ago that very few people take time out to dream, to imagine the future they want and then go and chase it. And I think that, that if everyone did that, it would have such a positive impact on the world. So I'd love to ask you, what three dreams would you write down if you knew that anything was possible and you couldn't possibly fail? And I often say that as a start dreaming bit without thinking about possible failures. Mm-hmm. What would you write down if you could if you could do anything without failing? Okay, if I could do anything without failing, definitely the thing that comes to mind first and foremost is trying to use my leadership to impact the current climate situation we have. I totally feel hopeless at times about what we're doing to the environment. And, you know, I often think, oh, I'd love to have more time to try and figure out how I can be a bigger part of the solution. And I do I do all this. I suppose I just gotten to a point where I'm like, I'm probably exactly like you. I do all the recycling. I carbon offset my flights. I um, give money to a few environmental causes. I, you know, I do all the stuff and then, but then I think, okay, what next? So it's really, for me, I would really want my leadership to impact that next frontier because I just you know, get a little bit hopeless and startled by the science and research that we're hearing. So I think that would be one thing I would do. Oh, I hate to have a selfish one because I really do try and do everything looking outward. But No, I think selfish is good because then you inspire, be more inspired yourself to do more things for others. So I think there's no such a thing as a selfish dream. Yeah, good one. Okay, so with your permission, I'll probably (laughs) choose to take a year off with my kids and travel the world, I think. Mm. I, again, a big thing for me is education and one of the questions I probably ask myself 10 times a day is, am I giving my kids the right education? I'm not talking about private versus public schooling. I'm not talking about, yeah, it's not not about those constructs. It's just about am I teaching them the stuff that they're going to need to know? So I'm, I spend so much of my time thinking about what I'm modelling for them. And I, listen, I know, I know that no matter what we do, our kids are going to walk away needing a whole heap of therapy anyway from, 
<laughs> you know, because that's just that's just life. That's humans. But I think I would love to take my kids out of school and you know just travel with them and you know throw away phones and not take any iPads and just see yeah see what memories we could create. And I think love that dream. Yeah, certainly not selfish. Just saying. <laughs> no, yeah, thanks. I think we could all benefit from that. And I think. One of the beautiful things, you know, to come out of us moving to the US has been the hundreds of particularly our members who have written to me or emailed me or sent me a card saying, you know, I watched you move with your family and, you know, I just never knew it was a possibility for me until I watched you do it and, and I thought, well, then if she can do it with five kids, well, then I can do it. You know, it doesn't, again, it's not about the number, but, you know, they just saw it as, you know, you showed me a path that was possible and now they're living in the south of France, they're living in the UK or, you know, some a few are living in America as well and I just love that our actions can ignite something else in, in them. So, yeah, maybe if I take a year off and travel, other people will be inspired to do the same. So it's not entirely selfish, so permission granted. <laughs> I think, you know, I am, I do have a really big philanthropic focus and I love your philanthropic focus with what you're doing with uh, Terrorite Trend. I love that and, and the other organisations you support. I think my final dream would be to truly take the Business Chicks organization global and to figure out how to do that. I just have seen the impact that it's had on so many people and it's just a vehicle with which to create impact and create change. So it's not necessarily about the business, but it's about, again, sparking that creativity, that innovation, that change, that possibility in others, which really, really lights me up. So I think for me, that's definitely a third dream that's unfulfilled and still keeps me up a little bit at night and I want to figure out how to make that happen. Three amazing dreams. Thank you so much for sharing. Absolutely inspiring for our listeners. So thank you so much. Before we finish off, I have to talk about time management (laughs) because I know in your book that you shared some time management hacks that we can all benefit from. I'd love you to tell us a little bit about your approach to prioritizing time. I know you, you mentioned before about, you know, getting help. But i love to see if you have any other tips for our listeners in terms of time management because I think we are all live very full lives and we all love to be inspired by people like you who seem to do it all and um, if you have any tips for us. Yeah. Okay. So I think the first thing, whether this is in your business or your family life, what's what for me is, is certainly doing what's most important. And I don't care if you have to write that at the top of your PKK journal or wherever you write it, but it's doing the stuff that matters, doing what's important. Um, And I think we can all get very, very busy doing stuff that doesn't really fulfill us and doesn't serve us and might make us have a false illusion that we're getting somewhere. But, you know, I see a lot of people really burnt out and really stressed. And I've certainly been that person many, many times when I've just been chasing my tail and doing stuff that might give us you know the comfort of oh but we're so busy and we're doing stuff but you're really avoiding the one or two things that kind of have to be done so that is kind of the silver bullet for me it's like doing the thing that has to be done that you're avoiding which would change everything you know so it might be with your family making sure you're around you know and it's not possible always making sure you're around for story time and bath time you know that that is a big thing for me for me it's the one-on-one time with my kids I really try and um, prioritize that just seeing which one needs me the most and taking them out and spending some time giving them that love and attention and yeah I mean we talked about it a bit already in terms of the business stuff just trying to do the stuff that you are really 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 good at and outsourcing and delegating the rest and 
that can be counterintuitive at times because I know that sometimes we feel, oh, but I'm so good at everything and it doesn't get done if a certain way and you just got to let that stuff go. I mean, you, I, I don't know, I just, I love delegating and I love seeing someone do a job better than I can do it myself and I don't know, that, that for me has been a real secret in my time management, just, just doing the stuff that I'm good at and trying to outsource the rest and, and being okay with the fact that it might not be the way mm. that you do it. Yeah, I don't know. I think that yeah, I, some that, yeah. yeah, some really good t- tips. Very much in line with the way I do things. I love that. So thank you very much. I'd love to finish off by asking you a few quick questions that I know our listeners would love to hear you answer. So in your book, you mentioned that you stick to some fairly rigid routines and rituals at home to keep you and your family on track. <laughs> How important are these rituals to you? I love if you could share some with, with yeah. us. Yeah. Our house is like a business. The way we run our house is exactly the way I run my company. So, <laughs> Love it. Yeah, it's like having good people around me. It's working to a schedule. I mean, I'm all about the wing it. I'm about, you know, the, you know, being kind of out there and crazy, but it's got to be anchored with really great systems and procedures and not rules. That, that That's such a yucky word to me, but I always say the routine sets you free. So honestly, our house is like a military operation that's actually what creates the fun and creates the craziness because you know if I know that everything's taken care of and I can be free to do stupid things like dance with the kids on the tabletops or like when we, which we do all the time or so yeah I mean we little dorky things like every single you know the chopping board is in the same spot every single night and every single morning because it's right next to the fruit bowl and you know I make sure that we do online shopping three times a week and I don't know. It's just, just about having systems set up that make life easy. Like I, we spend so much time looking for stuff every single day. So I make sure that we, the house is really, I'm a little, I am a bit of a like clean freak. I actually do have quite a bit of OCD <laughs> like you, but I'm, <laughs> the OCD kind of sets you free. So you can go nuts and try new things, you know? So yeah, I think it's all about the systems and the routines. I've always been a massive, massive advocate of getting babies sleep trained because when you have a baby that does not sleep, you, your whole life is totally thrown into disarray and the family can't cope. So, you know, when those little bubbas turn four or five months, I get my beautiful sleep coach in and we actually brought her over from Australia to LA with the most recent baby. I was like, that is so worth the money. Like I cannot put the price on sleep. So, yeah, and, and we just have rituals like uh, Friday night dinners, a really big deal to our family. Um, right now it's winter in LA, which is not that cold, but we have the fire on every night and we read stories in front of the fire as many nights a week as we can. You know, I try and pick the kids up and drop them off as much as I can. It's absolutely not always possible, but I try and do that. And then we go for ice cream at the same place. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, try- I'm trying to create those stories and rituals with our kids that, you know, I, I don't know if you think about this, but you know, when you get asked what was your childhood like or what was your mum like or, you know, and I'm wondering what my kids are going to say about me. So I'm really always, you know, <laughs> what stories they're going to tell about their childhood, you know, what memories are they going to remember? And I don't know if I'm messing it up or doing a good job, but I think we're doing okay. Mm, absolutely. I think you're such an inspiration having also 
uh, four daughters, you are such an inspiration for them. So I'm not worried one little bit about that. But I do think that rituals are the ones that you remember, you know, the simple things. You know, we have Pizza Friday where we make homemade pizza. And if we are, if I make pizza on another day, everyone thinks it's Friday. So it's kind of a yeah. you know, fun thing like <laughs> that. Tuesday. It's like, what? It's Wednesday. Don't throw this good out. <laughs> exactly. But I do think so. Have you got any like morning rituals for yourself? Do you do anything for yourself in the morning or is it all about family? Like I used to pre kids, I was really structured, but these days I, I just don't. The mornings for me at the moment are about survival. It's about getting four <laughs> big kids out the door by 8 a.m. It's honestly survival of the fittest so you know I'd love to say I meditate I'd love to say I journal I'd love to say I I just don't it's it's honestly with the kids being so young it's just all hands on deck and getting them out the door I mean I I do and every time that door shuts I honestly feel like I've won a gold medal at the Olympics I'm like (laughs) (laughs) but you know I do I do really think that there's a really good saying which I often try to tell people who are looking into my life thinking that I do it all but I think there is a really good saying with which is like you can do anything in life I really truly believe that if you really want to do something you can do it but you can't do everything at the same time so when you actually have really really young kids it's really hard to do everything so I think you know each thing has its time I am so reminded now because my youngest is seven I just realized how quickly those years went by and you know when I say baby I'm like oh I wish you know I wish I had more time to do it again but I'm not doing that so just for the record <laughs> awesome no I was gonna say I, I mean the one thing I do if you talk about rituals I, I certainly don't have it you know planned down to a fine art but I would never start my day without planning you know what I'm going to be doing that day so I never just sort of jump into my inbox I always take you know a couple of minutes to really just try and figure out what I'm trying to achieve that day and I always start the day with just writing one sentence at the top and that's what would make today great that's just like my one ritual that and coffee <laughs> the only two mm. things I do I love that. And that leads into a really nicely fitted question. If you have a favorite Kiki K product. Mm, so many. I have, I would be a very, very rich woman if I had not been into your stores so many times over the years. I mean, I, Thank my you. favorite, <laughs> no, no, of course. I mean, and the airport thing is such a good strategy for you guys. For me, it's always been about your cards. Like the, I'm a huge, like you, you know, I handwrite all my holiday cards and birthday cards. So I've always been a huge and loyal customer for your, or your cards are beautifully designed. And that's what I love. Thank you. And I love, actually, I was going to mention that because I love, love handwritten note. And I know you are so good at that. So thank you so much for keeping that handwritten ritual alive. And also, it's so nice to take that time for yourself, I find, um, writing a card, but also then obviously receiving it for the others is really nice. So thank you for first for your support, but also for keeping that alive, because I think it's such a special thing that we sometimes forget because it's easy to just do a text message, but there's just nothing like getting a handwritten card in my point of view. (laughs) I'm particularly interested in learning and reading and learning is one of my highest values so I love to know what your favorite book is and why oh gosh like so many and when I was a lot lot younger I would read honestly one or two books a a week that was just something that I put so much time into and I I think I always just go back to all the classics you know like the Think and Grow Rich by Mm. Napoleon Hill, Rich Dad Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki Oh, there's just all those, you know, even those ones, Who Moved My Cheese and How to Win Friends and Influence People, like those books still hold up today. You know, they're written, I don't know, 30, 40, 50 years ago and they still all hold up today. So I think any of those classics, and I always encourage people to 
try and seek those out as a, as a baseline for particularly your business education or just personal development. They were all really, really um, impactful for me, certainly in my early days in business. Yeah, absolutely. And I love all the ones you mentioned that we will put in the show notes, but I, I love all those. I just actually uh, pulled out, the, there's a new version of the um, Think and Grow Reach. So I'm going to read that on my next break. And I absolutely love the classics because I think they really hold for a long time and it's inspirational still. So thank you for sharing. So one last question for you. If you could go back to your younger self, say when you're in your late teens, what advice would you give yourself knowing what you know now? I think I'd say... Like I really honestly feel like I've lived my life with a lot of velocity, with a lot of drive, with a lot of determination, but we all know there are times when we could have not pushed. Push is not the right word because I hate that word, but we could have believed in ourselves a little bit more and just ran towards an opportunity rather than kind of held back and thought about it for too long. So I think if I were looking back at my 18 or 19 year old self I'd say just just run at the opportunities just run at them and it doesn't matter if you fail I just run at them and pretend like they're yours and pretend like you're going to win and pretend like it's all going to be great because it it really you know it it mostly is in the end love that you think there's a there's a beauty in trying because there's a beauty in the trying it's it's not about you're going to win all the time but there's a beauty in the running toward opportunity and, and the effort that it takes and the courage that it takes and the self-belief that it takes. So I, I think that's just what I'd say, just just run toward the opportunities and, and don't worry about how they're going to turn out. Yeah, I love that. And a friend of mine actually shared the other day that his grandfather said that when he was dying that you'll never regret, oh, I'm going to say this to make sure I say it the right way, you only regret the things that you didn't do not the stuff that you did, even if you sometimes, you know, made some mistakes or failure or or completely stuffed it up. So really making the most of the opportunities because, you know, I have a chapter in the book about life is short. And I, I, I think sometimes we think we have so long, even if we get to live a long life, life is pretty short. And to really, to really do all the things you want to do now versus just waiting. And it's better to kind of uh, have some failures and have some things that you didn't get right versus not doing them. So I think that is a perfect way of ending this amazing conversation so thank you so much emma and thank you for what you're doing to the world i am always inspired by what you do and how you do things and and how you are combining work and family and always have time for a laugh always have time for conversation and are inspiring so much so thank you for an incredible beautiful episode and i am so excited to hopefully see you soon and maybe we can um, share an uber together and have a coffee at the same time and have a bit of a laugh (laughs) i'd love that (laughs) I look forward to it. Thanks so much for your time as well, Gorgeous. Thank you. I absolutely loved speaking with Emma. What I love most about her is her ability to focus on the truly important things in life, no matter how busy or crazy things may get. I find it truly inspiring how she made the decision to leave her university degree after realizing it wasn't right for her. And by taking a chance on business chicks, driven by a passion to inspire women everywhere to be bold and courageous, she has grown it into Australia's largest and most influential networking community for women. Emma is the perfect example of someone who isn't afraid to put in the hard work and give something a try. Like me, she believes life is too short not to chase your dreams or live a life you love. 
this is something I'm so passionate about, which is why I encourage all of you to start taking steps towards living your own dream lives, whatever that may be. You'll find so many helpful chapters in my book dedicated to taking those first steps and putting yourself in the driver's seat of your life. You'll also find really helpful chapters around the idea of living without regret, thinking about who can help you and the power of starting today. I hope this episode has inspired you to start thinking about your own dreams. And if you haven't got a copy yet, I encourage you to get hold of my book, Your Dream Life Starts Here, and the Dream Life Journal that I have created to go with it. It's a great starting point if you want guidance on your journey of uncovering and chasing your dreams. Another great place to start is to check out my 101 Dreams audio guide at kiki-k.com forward slash dream life. If you love this episode and find it useful, be sure to subscribe and also leave us a review telling us what you thought. And please help us spread this inspiring message to even more people by posting about it on social media with the hashtag 101 million dreamers. I really appreciate your support with my big crazy dream to inspire 101 million people to write down three dreams on paper and go and chase them. Until next time, don't forget to dream big and chase your dreams.